Hello and welcome to the Power Switch, gaming's call and talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia, and today is May 27th, 2017. This is the 27th episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that is found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com slash call. Well, thank you for joining me today. Uh, it's It's been a weird week. I'm, I'm kind of running on fumes here. We had a 13-hour day of work yesterday, starting as early as 4 a.m. and going to 10 p.m. at night is pretty crazy. Uh, and then just a, a wild day today. Normally, we record at 3 p.m. Eastern on Saturdays, but we're at 6 p.m. Eastern today. That may be our time going forward. You'll have to stay tuned on Twitter and all as it develops. Uh, may have some changes coming on our, my weekend schedule, so we'll see there. Just stay tuned there. Uh, As far as housekeeping on the podcast goes, E3 Yes or No contest next week, June 3rd, is our big call-in show with predictions and everything ahead of E3 2017. Uh, That means if you're listening today in our uh, Discord channel on Saturday, May 27th, today is the last day to participate in the contest where you get three bonus points attributed towards your entry. If you're listening up until June 2nd, you can still participate by going to rhymeswithasia.com slash E3 contest. That's rhymeswithasia.com slash E3 contest. You can participate in our E3 yes or no contest, but you won't get any bonus points because you're literally running up to the end of the deadline there on June 2nd. Uh, as far as what am I playing, I played near Automata, beat up until ending a got that first ending i know there's much more still to go but you know i was having some fun with it but there was only so much it had a rental for a long time gotta trade it back i think i'm gonna rest watch the rest on youtube i know it's not the same i wasn't resonating with me as much as some other people uh you know did but i I was enjoying it certainly but uh, i think we just got one two switch in the mail as the replacement so that'll be a good fun uh, game to try around and finally see what all, all the deal is with that game uh and then also tried the arms global test punch this morning um pretty fun i i've enjoyed playing with the pro controller with that game uh i had a couple of gripes with it though i wanted to go back and kind of try that tutorial with the joy cons with that motion control there but there was no such option and I found that interesting because I wanted to kind of learn the control scheme. So when I tried to you know, just play a match with it, when online matches were the only option, I think that was a mistake to you know, try another you know, just computer. And I don't know why the demo doesn't work for the rest of the time. Just have a dummy CPU just to test things up against. I think that's really unusual. Uh, but you know, going online with the Joy-Cons, you know, coming off of playing with the Pro Controller and then trying the Joy-Con, uh, it did not work for me at all. And I know if you learned on the Joy-Con, you were having some good fun with it. Maybe the accuracy of curving the arm punches uh, may be a little more accurate for you. It just did not work for me. But I can see it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, Good to have at least the demo out there. And I'm glad people generally seem to be enjoying it. So that's all pretty awesome. But today I'm going to talk about Far Cry 5. And Far Cry 5 kind of lit up the internet this week as far as video game news went. Um, with teasing the location of Montana early in the week with some teasers there. You had the box art in the middle of the week. And that kind of uh, set off some some fury there. And then ultimately leading to the reveal trailer on Friday. So kind of a week long revealing Far Cry 5. Uh, And it was kind of interesting 
seeing this revealed, first of all, because there were some rumors for a while that a Far Cry was in development. People wondering, oh, is it in the Wild West in Montana, perhaps? And then you got some rumors before all these things started leaking out that, oh, you might involve, you know, some some Christian extremists here, a militia kind of cult and certain aspects there. And they actually ended up being pretty much 100 percent right. So the official PR speak from Ubisoft goes as follows. Welcome to Hope County, Montana, land of the free and the brave, but also home to a fanatical doomsday cult known as the Project at Eden's Gate that is threatening the community's freedom. Stand up to the cult's leader, Joseph Seed and the Heralds, and spark the fires of resistance that will liberate the besieged community. In this expansive world, your limits and creativity will be tested against the biggest and most ruthless, baddest enemy Far Cry has ever seen. It will be wild and it'll get weird, but as long as you keep your wits about you, the residents of Hope County can rest assured knowing you're their beacon of hope. Join the resistance on February 27th, 2018 with Far Cry 5, available on PlayStation 4 system, Xbox One, and PC. So for a series that has taken place in Africa, tropical Pacific Islands, the Himalayas, it now comes to the United States. And I think many people are rather excited about the prospect of a game tackling this rarely explored premise of violent Christian extremism, the, the militia and the cult aspect of it. But as expected, I think some misinterpretations have kind of led some to deem this game as offensive and even treasonous. So I guess some historical background first. I mean, developed by Ubisoft Montreal, creative director Dan Hay said that the team was kind of intrigued by the cultural tension that events such as the Cold War, September 11th, the financial crisis in 2008, uh, all these different tensions uh, kind of just create this, you know, this nervousness in uh, kind of the public eye and the public uh, just feeling overall. And he started writing this game in late 2014. So game's been in development for almost three years. And it was actually rather influenced by the January 2016 occupation of the Federal Wildlife Refuge in Oregon by an armed militia armed and led by Ammon Bundy. You may remember that story happening. So kind of influenced a little bit by that, taking bits and pieces, making the story their own. Now, of course, the promotion of the game takes an interesting timing twist, uh, not only with the divisive political climate in the United States with Donald Trump as president, but with the special election in Montana just this past week. And it's an election with a high majority that ended up mailing their votes in advance early uh, just to send Montana's only congressman to the House of Representatives. And uh, Republican candidate Greg Gianforte was caught on tape body slamming a reporter on the eve of the election, which ended up being rather inconsequential as he ended up winning. So it's odd that a game that took kind of the the public attention, uh, just with its announcement and all, taking place in Montana, in the United States, and then Montana takes place in the political landscape in that news sphere. So that was rather unusual. But Montana is a place of natural beauty. And it's a place to kind of detach from our hyper-connected life and to be left alone in the wilderness. So narratively speaking, it is a place where a fictional religious extremist doomsday cult that focuses on freedom, faith, and firearms could set up shop. And so as a result, yes, there are some who have taken offense to the game. And I kind of wanted to highlight some of these rather poor takes and uh, kind of just break each down, I suppose. 
Uh, one of them says, quote, The average American is literally the fucking villain in Ubisoft's new anti-white game. This is what they think of patriots. Fuck 2017. But why is it acceptable for something so treasonous to be made? Well, yes, at shitlord USA, uh, <laughs> which, you know, quite the, I don't even know if it's a troll job there. First of all, not treasonous, Ubisoft Montreal in Canada. It's not, you know, Americans making this game, despite, you know, if you think, you know, America's the center of the world and all that. Um, anti-white game. I I don't know about that. You, white people are the antagonists, but uh, unusual to say it's an anti-white game. And, you know, if you think of, you know, extreme religious cult that are you know, kind of doomsday people, if you think of those as patriots, I, I don't know what to tell you there, bud. That's That's kind of reflective on you, I think. Next one here, libs unironically self-gratifying themselves at the prospect of shooting Republicans in Far Cry 5. This coming from the online blog Heat Street. So yeah, again, if you want to consider religious extremists who are doomsday cult worshippers, if you want to consider those Republicans, your everyday normal Republicans, well, have at it, but you're pretty well misinformed there. Next one here. Guess who are the villains in the new Far Cry game? Muslim terrorists who explode nail bombs? ISIS who burn people alive? Nope. Christians at Ram Z Paul. Uh, again, I, you know, they are Christians who are extremists who are leading this, this town of Hope County, Montana, or area of Hope County, Montana, kind of controlling people by force. I mean, what we even have in the background here, saying souls do not harvest themselves. They are taking people by force, using them by whatever means necessary, ruling over the area with an iron fist with their militia. But you know, if you want to boil that down as just Christians, go right ahead. And finally, I just watched teaser trailer for Far Cry 5. This game is going to make rural right-wing Christian terrorism look positively badass. At Clark Hat there, you know, don't read the rest of that thread on, on Twitter. It gets really weird and uh, really cringy, actually. But again, if you're saying that terrorism looks badass, I, I mean, yeah, maybe taking down those terrorists, you know, kind of looks badass. I don't know. I mean, I think that's what people are maybe excited for. But hey, if you think... Living that life of antagonizing others looks awesome. Well, yeah, go for it. And you're wrong. Ultimately, I think many of these horrible takes uh, kind of just end up on a, a few false perspectives here. I mean, you have associating normal Christians and Republicans with members of an extremist cult. That's pretty horrible. Uh, just associating personally with the values of said cult. If you associate with that, I think that says something about you. Uh, associating the values of that cult with real Americans and patriots? If Again, really? No. And just also, it all comes down to you know having issues with not killing those who are not white. If you have an issue with you know killing those who are white, but say, well, why aren't they, why aren't they Muslim? Why aren't why are they not white? I mean, if, you, if you can just play another any other first person shooter, really, if you play the Modern Warfare series, did you go play that? Or if you have an issue killing Americans, I bet you love Grand Theft Auto Five. You probably kill plenty of Americans there. Is that a big issue to you? So many horrible, just flat out 
bad and wrong takes out there with Far Cry 5. For some people, it's amusing. For some, it's rather frustrating, and that's where I kind of lie. As far as my take goes on Far Cry 5, I, I find the premise to be rather exciting because it gets people talking. It is it is something that is generating a lot of conversation on the internet, and whether it's good or bad, it gets people talking about games and the value of it as an art form. And it's interesting to me that it turns the mirror on religious extremism. I think, you know, many people, when, you know, one of those bad takes was kind of talking about it. Oh, just, just Muslims are all responsible for terrorists. No, not at all. It's actually the religious extremists, you know, Muslims that you you mentioned ISIS, like those are religious extremists. It's kind of comparing the same thing to these Christians, fictional Christians, by the way, let's not forget that. Um, I think it's interesting to kind of turn the mirror and kind of be a little self-reflective on, on that. You know, it's, it's not always the fear of the other, but kind of wondering what's kind of maybe in our own backyard and possibly the dangers there. Uh, I think it's overall good for games as an art form to explore these kind of topics. Now, I wouldn't go into playing Far Cry 5 expecting a grand, you know, shaking, moving political statement. I, I think if you go in that looking for that, you, you're kind of missing the point or you're kind of overestimating what you know, game writing at this kind of stage in the early developments of the medium can do. Um, I think really, if anything, it's just setting up a new kind of antagonistic wall for the player to knock down. Uh, you've had in Far Cry games in the past, you've had big antagonists like Voss and Pegan Min. And, you know, maybe Joseph Seed is another kind of antagonist like that. Uh, it's just a new hurdle for the player to kind of take down. Um, if you actually think of Bioshock Infinite kind of in a similar sort of vein, with Comstock as a you know very religious kind of zealot figure, uh, kind of as a wall to take down. You know, Bioshock Infinite didn't make any grand political or religious statement. Really, uh, it was just another again, it's a kind of hurdle for the player to take down. At best, you know, or maybe at worst, maybe that'll be just what this game is. Now, granted, I would love for Far Cry Five to be a game that we talk about. For years to come, I think that would show you know, kind of the growth as the as the medium, really. But uh, it would be awesome we could talk about it in a mature manner for years to come, really. But I guess we'll have to wait until February for that to kind of come to fruition. Anyway, I know that was all very long-winded, but that's what I have to say. When we come back, we'll get to the callers. What do you think? I would love to hear your thoughts, but you can also talk about whatever gaming topic comes to mind. And don't forget, you can also bring up what another caller had to say as well. That's all when we come back here on the power switch. Welcome back to the power switch. Let's get to the callers, but first I wanted to kind of confirm something here. We're talking about Far Cry 5, and when it comes to our E3 contest at rhymeswithasia.com slash E3 contest, there's a question that says, will Ubisoft reveal a new sequel in either Rayman, Splinter Cell, or Far Cry? With you know Far Cry 5 being revealed after these questions have been you know kind of announced, released, what have you, uh, that means this is a yes. They'll be showing Far Cry 5 certainly at their conference, it's, it's going to be a yes. I just want to put it out there, kind of confirm for people. If you still have yet to submit, make sure you put yes for that question about Far Cry. Joining us from Kansas, Doba, welcome back to the Power Switch. Thank you. Good to be back. What would you like to talk about today? What's on your mind? Well, I need to bring attention to a game that I'm not seeing uh, a lot of people talk about, uh, even though it came out like a month ago. 
I don't know if you've ever played the Unfinished Swan. It was a PS3 exclusive indie game. Giant Sparrow, uh, really, really good game. Great game. Yes, very good game. Well, their latest game came out about a month ago, and I had seen a lot of people talk about it, actually. My roommate and I, Ben, uh, kind of sat down and played it together last week. It is called What Remains of Edith Finch, and it is just, oh, it was such a good game. So, you know, Gone Home, the whole premise of Gone Home is you go home, nobody's home, and you got to sort of find out what happened and why nobody's home. Now, Gone Home is a fine game. I don't think there's a lot to it, personally. I don't think it is as deserving of all the praise that it got, but whatever's, that's my opinion. I, I think I there had, could have been more of a game there. Yeah, I had an interesting time with Gone Home. Um, like many people, I, mean, I don't want to spoil it too much, but I, I definitely thought the game was going one way, and then it hits a swerve, and... It, I think it's a really interesting resolution, but yeah, when, when that's a game where I guess if you know what to do, it can be sped run like really, really quickly. Uh, cause you, yeah, for the first time playing, you're just kind of wandering around this house. But, uh, I, I, it's interesting when you get people who are not fond of it at all. And they kind of use the whole derogatory term, you know, the, the walking simulator. I, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of, I guess that kind of language to describe a game. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, it's, I'm it's a different kind of narrative adventure. I'm I'm in agreement there, and I feel like we we should be able to get a different term other than walking simulator because I mean there's more to them than that. I think narrative experience was one that I narrative driven experience was one that I've heard before, but I'd be pretty okay know. with that. Yeah. So the the concept of Edith Finch is very similar. You play as of course Edith Finch who uh, is going home to the Finch household for the first time in seven years. Uh, she is the last living member of the Finch family. Oh, wow. And going through this house, it was her great-grandparents' house, her great-grandma, uh, Edie. And they lived there, and while they were living there, Edith's mom began sealing off rooms because the rooms belonged to family members that were no longer alive. And as you go through and uh, you go through the house, you find the secret passages all over the house because it's really cool house. This family was obviously super rich. And you start going through the stories of how each family member died because some of them died real young. Some of them died really hard. Some of them uh, died in really weird ways because I guess it's implied that the Finch family is cursed for like everybody dies in weird, weird ways. Hmm. So it becomes this thing where every single little section is almost an entirely different type of gameplay. Not really, but like it's a different experience. Each one has a different feel to it. Each one controls a little bit differently. Um, Bunny Hop, Super Bunny Hop actually did a video on one of the sections. Uh, one of the, I think it's one of the very later sections of the game, if I remember correctly, that, uh, he considers to be one of the best representations of what it's trying to represent of any video game that's ever been. Wow. Um, and I don't want to spoil what it is. And don't watch that, that video if you haven't played the game, if you don't want to be spoiled. Uh, and trust me, this is a game to keep your eye on because I think of the indie games I've played so far this year, it's the best by far. Ben was originally just going to sit down and watch like the first 15 minutes just to see what it was up up with. He sat there for the entire two hours. It is wow. a two hour game. Okay. Not a very All long right. game. 
about 20 bucks, I believe is how much it costs on PSN. It's also on PC. Don't sleep on this one. I'm not seeing anybody talk about it, and I don't get why. It's probably one of the best games I've played this year. Yeah, for those who have heard talk about it, uh, you know, I believe you say it's it's quite marvelous. Uh, and, and it's right up your alley, and it's super yeah, short, too. Yeah, and I I do like that as, you know... <laughs> As someone who's older and playing games and you know limited time and all that, that really does sound like it would be for me. I, I'm curious though. I mean, the unfinished Swan for those that haven't played it, it's the kind of narrative hook is that you have this kind of paint splatter and there's just a white canvas and you throw paint at the world and kind of the edges form based on where your paint splotches hit and you kind of navigate the world based on that. Is there any kind of gameplay hook that's like that similar different or is it just like it's a it's a house that's constructed and you're interacting with items kind of like gone home and what's what's the the gameplay hook there like so the main game is just wandering around the house there's Mm -hmm. nothing nothing like unfinished one uh in the game but there are a couple of the stories that sort of take a turn and change the gameplay up a little bit uh, including the one that Bunny Hop talks about changes the gameplay up probably more than anything else in the game. But no, there's nothing really like Unfinished Swan with the paint splashing and all that. But I think they kind of they do the best with with what they were working with in that case. And I think if they would have added more to it like that, it would have muddled the experience a little bit. Because there are interviews with certain parts where they were like, we were going to add more mechanics to this and then we kind of realized that, that made it a little bit more like complicated and it made it a little harder to to get through yeah because the game had been announced for a while and uh it's like it's good to see it finally come out but i guess there was you know quite a, a while for a development time and what unfinished swan was 2012 i think is when it came out uh so yeah, like, i want to say somewhere around this, there. this game's been made for a while um now as far as people who've been praising indie games on the show in particular you have night in the woods and you have What Remains of Edith Finch. Have you played Night in the Woods? I have, and it is also uh, absolutely fantastic. <sighs> I can't really talk much about it because I feel like talking about it at all is going to spoil like just about anything. Mm-hmm. I will say it's one of the funniest games I've ever played in my entire life. And it also deals with some real heavy subjects. Right. I guess my, uh, my question is, like, where does it stack up? I mean, if you had to recommend people, you know, to play one or the other as, as their next game, would you recommend Night if, in the Woods or What Remains of Edith Finch? I mean, is it dependent on what kind of games they like, what kind of mood they're in? Like, wh- where does that stack up for you? First off, on a note unrelated to the gameplay or the subject matter itself, uh, Edith Finch is two hours long. Night in the Woods is roughly five to six hours long. So if length is an if length is a factor in your decision, then that might make your decision for you immediately. Uh, that being said, I liked Night in the Woods, and I feel like Night in the Woods is going to stick with me longer than Edith Finch did, simply because of its characters and how attached I got to them and the humor and all that. Not to say Edith Finch is not a fantastic game. Uh, I would rank Night in the Woods above it very interesting very interesting yeah i'm kind of at that place where i need to find the next game i'll play kind of substantially after near automata and yeah I'm, I'm kind of between those two right now i would recommend starting with edith finch honestly mm-hmm. because it because it is shorter but if you have the chance to play both absolutely play both they are two games that just completely knock it out of the park 
for what they're trying to do. Uh, and I absolutely recommend both of them with all of my heart. Definitely. We'll have to give it a try. Well, Doba, thanks so much for calling in. Really appreciate the time. We can find you on Twitter at the Dobaga. Is there anything you'd like to plug in particular? Well, it's not super active right now. I just finished school, so it might get a little more active, but I can't promise too much. Uh, but I do stream over at Detective Dobaga. Uh, we did do a Nancy Drew game recently. I am possibly going to either start Final Fantasy 15 or streaming a little bit of some side stuff from Yakuza 0 mm. soon. So there's that. Very cool. We'll have to check it out for sure. Thanks so much for calling in. You have a great night. You too. And joining us from Illinois, Video Game Guru 64. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Hi, nice to be back. Absolutely. What would you like to talk about today? Talk about arms. Uh, kind of want to talk about uh, Fall Cry uh, 5, which I, I don't have an investment in, but it sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. It's quite a... Uh, quite a surprise when you know, most of these games have taken place internationally and like these big power hungry figures that are trying to take over uh, this sort of area and you kind of have to liberate the space but now it, it comes to the United States and uh, I, I mean you got reaction like what is like how did that news strike you uh, I thought it was fantastic I thought it was really getting into why that those people are not good <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah they, they probably shouldn't be using militia power with firearms and like that you know trying to dominate with faith I, that, that's kind of goes amongst all the different tenets of the christian faith it's just not yeah. what they believe i mean this is someone who I, I was raised catholic and all that so it's it's kind of odd to see that difference there and then when some people associate with it I, I just find it very odd and shocking but i think it's it's well i mean maybe ubisoft isn't the studio that can make you know the big political statement but it's it's important i think for games to kind of tackle uh, that sort of subject matter but yeah on the topic of arms i mean i know you've been excited to play at least the global test punch even the game uh you know we've had it there's been a couple sessions of the test punch that have gone live already did you get to play one of yeah. them I only got to play the uh, first one mm-hmm. just because I I was out. Yeah. So uh, what did you think of him? I mean, did you, you know, take to a certain character in particular? Did you like how the game controlled? Like Min Min. <laughs> I I chose Min Min as well. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ju- just uh, uh for her uh dragon fist and for uh the round uh the. Oh, the, the Chakram. One that quotes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, see, interesting. I didn't use the uh, the dragon in particular. I found that one to be a little odd. So, like, I did the, the heavier, well, the, the slower one, and then also the, the Chakram. And that, yeah, that I, worked pretty well. Yeah, I, I uh, did that also uh, to uh, the last few matches that I had last night. So, I, I started with the Pro Controller, as I, I mentioned at the top of the show, and... I I found you know the tutorial was really nice to you know move and like you had the dash and you had the jump and you can oh jump and dash and the different buttons you know press them both to grab it all made sense I thought you know I for the pro controller clicking the left stick was a little odd as far as a, a block sort of mechanic I thought that was a little strange um, but overall it worked really well and the control felt really fluid on the pro controller um, yeah I I just but, I don't I don't get the thumbs up 
control because I know some I was reading some people online who were really enjoying it. Some people thought, you know, the motion control wasn't that great. But I think if you kind of went into learning that control scheme first, maybe it's a little more natural, but jumping into it after the fact and having no training, it's it's so awkward for me, at least. Yeah. The, the main thing I wanted the pull controller to have is L uh, be left punch and R be right punch. I thought that would be a given, it, yeah. It's not. Yeah, no, it's it's A and B. It's, it's, it's really yeah, strange. That, that's so strange, and Maybe uh, I could call Nintendo and uh, request that uh, the controls be interchangeable. Like uh, you can set your own controls. Yeah, I think that would have to be almost a given. I'm I'm almost surprised. Well, it's hard to say with just a demo, right? I mean, if they can't even set up yeah, a basic, exactly. you know, computer sort of one-on-one, even in the downtimes, like you should be able to just demo against a CPU, just like in the training montage, just be able to practice your combos there and then take it to online in that one hour time. I think that's a little odd and I, I it's it's part of the appeal of the global test punch that's only available for that you know short time, but I think they miss a big opportunity there. So I don't know in the final game if they'll have the customizable controls. I think it would be a no-brainer to do at least in a patch. You know, put if it's not there at launch, put it in a patch because you're right. I, I had the same thought. Like I thought, like, well, well, yeah, clearly, if you have the the Joy Cons be, you know, the the punching, the throwing motions there. You yeah, know, clearly <laughs> the triggers would have been your punches. That just makes sense. Oh no, okay, all right, but I think it works fine you know the way it currently is set up but there should be a degree of customization there yeah exactly so yeah i didn't get to play you know too much uh in in the uh in the test punch i just tried a few matches and you got my butt kicked online when i was trying to uh, you know learn the joy con system on the go and that worked out terribly when you are, are tilting them for moving when it's just as simple as an analog stick move on the pro controller like it's it's easily, you know, pro controller, I think for me would be the preferred uh, method of control. And it was interesting reading people online saying that, well, I think pros are going to go more the Joy-Con. Like it, that's all part of when the game gets in the hands of the people and see what's most effective. I'll, I'll be interested to see that for sure. But as far as if I'm interested in the game, I don't know if it's still going to be a purchase for me. Uh, I'll still be interested to to watch kind of the community develop a bit, but um, that's it's not going to be a game that I'm itching to go out and play um but you know i'm i'm really glad that it's seeming to come together as a new ip and product for nintendo yeah yeah and then um it was just yesterday that uh monster hunter uh double cross got announced for the switch because the switch has already uh got a big fan base and you bring all that those monster hunter guys into that fan base and it's like Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, so there are a few things that are, are pretty big with that, I think. Um, you know, big to have, you know, Double Cross is currently a Japan only release, you know, kind of an exp- expanded port of Monster Hunter Generations for those that don't know. Uh, so it's good to see that confirmed for Switch. Uh, and, you know, Nintendo's stock price reacted very strongly because of that. Like, it kind of reached, you know, new highs in a way from that Double Cross news. Uh, but I think at the same time we were talking, you know, it was a couple months ago, and there were concerns that 
rumors floating around that maybe Sony is throwing some money at Capcom to bring Monster Hunter to PS4. And those rumors are not going away, interestingly enough. Uh, reading some reports from different sources, you know. Maybe the uh, mainline uh, series, like Monster Hunter 5, will be on uh, PS4. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the rumor going about is that you know Monster Hunter Five may be the one that's brought to PS4. Uh, the rumored report says that it may possibly be a streamlined version, so maybe not as many uh, items, armor pieces, what have you. And there's some concern about that. Uh, you know, almost like you know, does it perform like Street Fighter Five would on PS4? Uh, but there would be talk of bringing the portable Monster Hunter Portable series back for Switch. So even though, you know, if the rumor is true that Sony's throwing money at Capcom to bring Monster Hunter to PS4, it's not like Switch will be left out in the cold, which I think that's that's a good thing. I mean, there's a lot of you know big boosts to the series with, you know, three and four, try and four, uh, brought to Nintendo platforms. So it's good to kind of see that loyalty continue in some way. But man, if throw, Sony's going to throw a ton of money uh, at Capcom, I mean, who are they to say no? guess that's okay just because uh i i feel like more people towards the portable monster hunter because more people are getting into it and meeting up and uh playing portable monster hunter right i think there would be an allure of playing monster hunter on the go especially if it ends up being the more hardcore version if they're talking about streamlining the series and kind of dumbing it down to bring more people into it, I think there would be more of an appeal on Switch. So at least that that seems to be very interesting. Um, Echoes of Shadows of Valentia is really cool and people should buy it. <laughs> yeah, you're having a good time with Fire Emblem Echoes? Yeah, it's really uh, interesting. The voice acting is amazing because it's all voice acted and I love it. Yeah, I've been hearing good things about it's a different kind of more focused on the narrative than you know fates or even maybe awakening and i'm hearing that's you know really resonating with a lot of people and you don't get to make a custom character and i think that's i feel like that's good because uh you can do more with voice acting if you don't have a custom character because the only thing with the custom character is you can only say him or them or something like that yeah and then even so, if you your customized character would only have you know only a set range of phrases that are just in different pitches and different you know, intonations and all that so yeah that's it, it's interesting i think it's a good idea for that one especially when it's it's a retelling of of gaiden right and, you know i think it's the second yeah. one in the series history to kind of just more focus on the narrative with specific characters to give it that voice act. And that, that's, that's awesome. I'm glad it's, you know, it got really good reviews. So good to see that thing I picked up this week is uh disguise five. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I've, the one thing with that game uh, that I saw a story for is that what they brought over the PS4 trophies on the Switch yeah, version? That's really weird. What what gets with that? I mean, <laughs> so I know a lot of people had issues with Switch. Like, why don't they have an achievement system? And I wonder if that could maybe set a precedent, you know, especially for games that are ported for, with a PS4 version. What, like, you know, Puyo Puyo Tetris had a PS4 maybe, version. Like, well, maybe there. Maybe at the com- uh, Nintendo uh, Spotlight, they uh, will say that 
achievements will be on the way with the new uh, uh, service. I think that sounds like a big boss prediction for next week. That would be, would be very interesting. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, Video Game Guru 64, we can find you on Twitter at that, other places around the internet as well. Anything you'd like to plug? The Arms uh, Test Fire. It's really good. It's free, and you should go play it if you're interested. If you're not, you should still go play it because it's free. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, give the Global Test Punch a try. It'll be up not only this weekend, but next weekend as well. And uh, give it a chance to try it out before it comes out in a couple weeks. It's only three weeks away. Oh, my goodness. That, that is really crazy to think about. I'm glad that they're giving a lot of big push now, so they shouldn't have to give it too much time at E3. I mean, you know, have the tournament. That's fine. But yeah, focus on it now. That's that's It's a good strategy, I think. Yeah. Well, Video Game Guru 64, thanks so much for calling in. Have a great night. Yep. All right, guys, thanks for calling in. When we come back, we'll get to a headline roundup. You don't want to miss it when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. This week's tempo control music is brought to you by Pokemon X and Y. You can find a new video game music top 10 list from a specific game soundtrack every Tuesday over at youtube.com slash rhymes with Asia. Now it's time for a headline roundup. We start with the big news that everyone pretty much saw coming at some point, but Red Dead Redemption 2 has been delayed to spring 2018. They showed some nice screenshots, I mean, really specific details, like the fine tweaks and, and almost misprints in a way on a revolver, a crazy detail, really impressive screenshots. But yeah, spring 2018, and it's not even for this fiscal year, so that means what, in after April sometime? People are thinking maybe May, possibly June. May would actually kind of line up with when Red Dead Redemption came out in 2010. So yeah, uh, you know, kind of makes sense when they were kind of talking about that game last year, and it's like, there's no way it's making 2017. But that's in a way, that's good, you know, kind of spread out the very good games there, at least some to 2018. So that was almost to be expected. Now we talked about Monster Hunter Double Cross, uh, confirmed for Nintendo Switch in the previous segment there. But I want to also kind of talk about with Capcom and their expectations for Nintendo Switch. Uh, in an interview with the Capcom CEO on toyokeizai.net, there's a quote that's translated to saying, in regards to Switch, Capcom will think of how to support the Switch while looking at how Street Fighter 2 does on the system in May. So are they really thinking of, you know, Street, Ultra Street Fighter 2 came out on Switch just a couple days ago as of this recording. Are they really thinking of taking a port of a game that's 25 years old and, you know, making it $40 uh, on the system? Are they really kind of, you know, recommend and say, well, there's our, our ballpark figure for how we set the barometer pressure for how we support Switch. I think that's that's not fair. That's almost like what Ubisoft did with Watch Dogs, right? They delay Watch Dogs on Wii U from the rest of the system launches, and then surprisingly, when it doesn't sell that well, they're like, oh, oh, maybe we don't need to support the Wii U that much anymore. I think it's an unfair practice, and hopefully, you know, Capcom, who is rumored to you know, double the RAM on the Switch based on Capcom's recommendations. Hopefully they don't take that as the real recommendation. I mean, 
they have to consider that it's it's a port of a 25 year old game, right? I mean, let's let's think about this here a little bit, please. Also on Switch, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle had marketing assets leak, and you know, with different close-ups and memes going about, uh, this is going to be the tactical RPG from Ubisoft with their studios in Paris. Uh, it's kind of explained by some as almost XCOM, like XCOM Enemy Unknown, but for kids. Uh, the marketing materials say that a game will be 20 hours long. Due out in August or September, we'll, we'll certainly hear more, uh, at least at Ubisoft's press conference. Maybe you'll get a mention at Nintendo Spotlight. Uh, but it's it's a game that people like Laura Kate Dale uh, you know, had kind of pegged for quite some time, if you follow those you know, industry insiders, especially with that title. So, so kudos to Laura Kate Buzz there. Microsoft's Beam streaming service is now called Mixer and it'll be offering the feature of co-streaming with four streams kind of all embedded in one broadcast. Uh, so this is kind of Microsoft's Twitch competitor, at least. They're kind of going about it that way. They'll be broadcasting their E3 event in 4K, along with some other features that will have uh, you know, special interaction for audience members who will be watching, and so you can maybe vote up certain things and all that. So Microsoft's trying to take on Twitch with, you know, kind of features built into Xbox One and maybe even eventually, you know, the Windows 10 platform. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how successful it is because Twitch seems like a big juggernaut right now. They're adding new features and all that. Uh, maybe even YouTube gaming. I don't know how YouTube gaming, is that really still a thing? Does that even compare? I'm not sure. But interesting to see another competitor join the fray with Mixer from Microsoft, formerly known as Beam. And finally, Tom Holland the Spider-Man that people love from the Marvel Civil War movie. Uh, you know, Tom Holland going to be in Spider-Man Homecoming in a couple months' time. Supposedly tapped by Sony Pictures to play young Nathan Drake in the Uncharted film. And I don't know what you know reboot this is for the Uncharted film that will probably almost never be released at this point. There have been talks of new directors and new writers and Mark Wahlberg's attached to the project. He's no longer attached to the project and what's happening here? So this doesn't really seem to, I don't even know if it's going to go anywhere, but maybe Sony Pictures, I guess they're impressed by how he performed in Spider-Man Homecoming. They're trying to lock him down at the studio for this Uncharted picture. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because you know, fans of the Uncharted series, it was a great sequence in 3 when you go back and see younger Drake, uh, but for those that are new to the franchise, do you want to see, you know, kind of the origin story with a younger Nathan Drake, or would you rather see, you know, in his prime an Indiana Jones-like adventure? I think doing this is, is safe on the part of, you know, people won't really compare it to the games if they are fans of the series already, so there won't be as much easy criticism there, but it may not be what you need to get new fans jumped on board here. Uh, but you know, Tom Holland's a very skilled actor, very talented performer, so if anyone could play young Nathan Drake, I'm sure it would be him. But I have you know, skepticism of this movie even getting off the ground in the first place. And that'll do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch. And you can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you could be so kind as to leave a review, that would really help as well. But most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join our community on Discord by visiting RhymesWithAsia.com call. 
It's a small but growing community, and in these early months of the show, it'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. If you want a YouTube video to watch, let's keep it kind of political when we talk about Far Cry 5 earlier. Uh, go watch Colin's Last Stand, uh, Colin Moriarty's venture after his time at Kind of Funny to talk about history and politics and, and the context that involves the storytelling of history. Uh, he talks about, in particular, an episode on his, his channel about the impeachment of an American president. And I think in our political climate, it's important to consider what impeachment is in the American political system. Uh, impeachment does not guarantee you know, whether you're guilty or not guilty, uh, but go learn about the impeachment process and how presidents in the past have been impeached. Uh, so that's it's a really interesting lesson to learn. If you're if you're still kind of feeling political and charged up about Far Cry Five, and man, if you if you feel offended by that game, man, I'm I'm not sure what to tell you. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, episodes on Saturday. We've been going at 3 p.m. Eastern time, recording at 6 p.m. Eastern time here. That may be the time going forward. It's hard to say. And I know next week is our big E3 2017 prediction show. Yeah, I may have a schedule change coming up uh, for you know, myself personally. So uh, I, I may have to change it to this later time at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So stay tuned to our Discord channel, especially on Twitter. I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. I do want to hear your big boss predictions, your Kiefer predictions, your, your bold or just outlandishly absurd predictions next week, June 3rd. And make sure to enter our E3 contest. Uh, that's rhymeswithasia.com slash E3 contest. That's by Friday, June 2nd. Uh, make sure to participate in that. Uh, that. That's a lot of fun. It's really easy to do. And the winner of that contest gets to join me after E3 is all said and done for a big post-show wrap-up. So do want to check into that. I would really appreciate that. Stay tuned to Discord and Twitter and all of that. And regardless whether it's live or on your own time, I look forward to you joining us for our next episode, the Big Prediction Special. With that, I am Peter Spasia. Until next time, switch up, call in, game on. <laughs>